Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, the Prime Minister is on a tour this week uh, visiting steel and aluminum workers and businesses across the country. I guess it's his way he feels of showing support for them. Well, it seems unnecessary. That's the kind of thing you can do from Ottawa. <laughs> right? Hey, we support you guys. I don't know. Going there necessarily accomplishes anything, but maybe they appreciate it. I don't know. Uh, this was interesting, though. The prime minister is uh, going to be doing uh, the rounds on American cable news to sort of make the case for why Canada should be exempt from these tariffs. I mean, you know, the tariffs, I, I don't think are needed anyway for any country, but certainly it makes all kinds of sense that they don't exist, don't apply to Canada. He's going to be on CNN later tonight. He was just on CNBC just a a short while ago. Here's the prime minister uh, making the case for Canadian steel and aluminum. The exemptions aren't uh, a a, a magical favor that was being done. We made the point uh, and the true point that uh, the integration of our steel and aluminum market is so intense across uh, the Canada-U.S. border uh, that millions of jobs on both sides of the border uh, depend on continued smooth uh, flow of trades. But how do you make sure that they stay permanent? This is very conditional. Uh, Well, we're going to keep uh, talking about NAFTA. We don't link together the tariffs and the negotiations with NAFTA, but we're happy to continue to move forward on the negotiations, but really just highlighting that uh, imposition of tariffs from on Canada uh, would end up hurting the U.S. Uh, almost as much as it would hurt Canada. Now, I've been talking to a few people in industry, the CEO of a steel company in Hamilton last week. I've also talked to the president of the Aluminum Association here. They say that the uncertainty, not knowing whether these tariffs are going to be permanent or not, are already causing uncertainty in their industries and preventing some investment. How long do you let this go on for? Can you give us an answer? How do you make it permanent? uh, That's one of the reasons I'm here, to actually reassure the workers that we have their back, that we know how hard and how great they're working on it. And there's all sorts of concerns in the United States around overcapacity from China. Well, we have those capacities. And over the past two years I've been prime minister, we've actually strengthened our border controls on imports of steel from China. Uh, We've brought in uh, new measures, and we're happy to do more on that. But the point that we're making throughout is that uh, whether it's on on you know, the steel and aluminum industry or whether it's a national security side where uh, we have an Air Force base just a few uh, few kilometers from here uh, that was brought in to protect these for the war effort in, in, in World War II. There's a level of integration and connection uh, that means we're going we're gonna to keep having each other's back. And I think that's undeniable except that I think that Canada has a lot more at stake here being a small, much smaller economy than the U.S. economy and I know that you and Minister Freeland have said that 
you wouldn't be shy to take retaliatory measures if these tariffs were to go into place. Can you share what are those retaliatory measures? Well, I'm going to stand up for Canadian interests, but right now we're able to move forward and we have the president saying that he's not moving forward with tariffs. Uh, and it's not just because it would hurt Canada, but because it would hurt the United States as well. Uh, we're going to stay at the negotiating table as we have been on NAFTA uh, and we will move forward in a way that benefits us all. But what I'm hearing from you is that you want to keep NAFTA and the tariffs on separate tracks, but President Trump is saying a very different thing, saying that the tariffs depend on NAFTA. Are you at an impasse? Where do you come to an Not agreement at all. here? We're happy to continue to move forward on NAFTA. We've made some really great, uh, great advances over the past few weeks in terms of closing a lot of chapters, and there's uh, more to do in the coming weeks. I'm, I'm excited about the pace we're on in NAFTA and very hopeful we're going to be able to improve it and negotiate it uh, so it's up to date uh, in a way that is win-win-win for uh, all of our countries. There you go. That's the Prime Minister uh, speaking on CNBC today. As mentioned, he's going to be on uh, CNN later tonight. I don't know. Is he going to be on Fox News? Boy, wouldn't that be something? I I didn't see him. I'm just I'm hearing the audio. I didn't see the visual of him. Uh, And I'll be curious to see later tonight. Wouldn't it be awesome if he ordered one of these T-shirts? You've seen these T-shirts that are available on Amazon. And I think it kind of started as almost a gag, but they're, they're selling on Amazon. And in fact, any of the profits from the T-shirts are going to fee.org, F-E-E, which is a nonprofit organization promoting free market economics. Uh, it doesn't work too well as an abbreviation, uh, and it's a pretty technical slogan. <laughs> I think that's kind of the joke. Uh, so they say tariffs not only impose immense economic costs, but also fail to achieve their primary policy aims and foster political dysfunction along the way. You get them in all sorts of different colors. They got a nice little graph on the back. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would pay money to see the prime minister don one of those on American television tonight. You know what? It was funny because Ted Cruz, Republican Senator Ted Cruz, retweeted a link to, to this Amazon link where you can buy one of these T-shirts. I don't know if that's um, meant as any kind of rebuke uh, toward the White House, but interesting nonetheless. All right. Speaking of uh, prime ministers, uh, Trudeau's counterpart in the UK dealing with much more serious matters today, as expected, not a surprise to anybody. The Brits have determined that indeed the Russians were behind this nerve agent attack on a former spy in the UK earlier this month. This was British Prime Minister Theresa May in the House of Commons today. This morning, I chaired a meeting of the National Security Council in which we considered the information so far available. As is normal, the Council was updated on the assessment and intelligence picture, as well as the state of the investigation. It is now clear that Mr Skripal and his daughter were poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent of a type developed by Russia. This is part of a group of nerve agents known as Novichok. Based on the positive identification of this chemical agent by world-leading experts at the Defence Science and Technology Laboratory at Porton Down, Our knowledge that Russia has previously produced this agent and would still be capable of doing so, Russia's record of conducting state-sponsored assassinations, and our assessment that Russia views some defectors as legitimate targets for assassinations, the government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Mr. Speaker, there are therefore only two plausible explanations for what happened in Salisbury uh, on the 4th of March. Either this was a direct act by the Russian state against our country, or the Russian government lost control of its potentially catastrophically damaging nerve agent and allowed it to get into the hands of others. 
This afternoon, my right honourable friend, the Foreign Secretary, has summoned the Russian Ambassador to the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and asked him asked him to explain which of these two possibilities it is, and therefore to account for how this Russian-produced nerve agent could have been deployed in Salisbury against Mr. Skripal and his daughter. This is a town of 40,000 people, and it was not a targeted uh, uh, attack on these two. I mean, obviously, they were the intended targets, but there was a lot of collateral damage. Hundreds of people, in fact, uh, may have been poisoned from this. So it's certainly something that I think needs a response from the Russians. Now, so far, they're dismissing all of this as a fairy tale. So I think we know what their official response is going to be. But uh, there does need to be, I think, conversely, an official response, a firm response from the United Kingdom and its allies, by the way, including Canada and, yes, the United States. Here's more from the Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, on Wednesday, we will consider in detail the response from the Russian state. Should there be no credible response, we will conclude that this action amounts to an unlawful use of force by the Russian state against the United Kingdom. And I will come back to this House and set out the full range of measures that we will take in response. Mr Speaker, this attempted murder using a weapons-grade nerve agent in a British town was not just a crime against the Skripals. It was an indiscriminate and reckless act against the United Kingdom, putting the lives of innocent civilians at risk. And we will not tolerate such a brazen attempt to murder innocent civilians on our soil. Nor should that. And we shouldn't either. So I'd be curious to see what our Prime Minister has to say about it. I'd certainly be curious to see what uh, U.S. President Donald Trump has to say about it. All right, still to come on the program, uh, we're going to hear from the B.C. Civil Liberties Association after 1 o'clock. I'm going to get their take on what Alberta is considering. It's something that's already been implemented in Ontario and elsewhere. The idea of having a buffer zone around abortion clinics, as in a buffer zone for people protesting. So you'd be still able to have your signs and your slogans. You would just have to stay back a certain distance. Is that a reasonable compromise to ensuring that freedom of speech, privacy and security rights are respected? Or is this a needless infringement on freedom of speech? Because we don't do that anywhere else. So is this a unique case that needs something like this? Or is this an overreaction on the part of government? Clearly, this is is linked to a very emotional debate about abortion itself. We should be able to separate it. Say, how do you feel about abortion? These are separate issues, especially when it comes to freedom of speech. So the Alberta government is eyeing legislation that would impose these buffer zones. I'm going to talk about whether they do infringe on freedom of speech or whether it's necessary to protect those who work at and go to these clinics. We'll talk about that coming up after 1 o'clock. A lot more still to come here today. First, though, it's time for great ideas brought to you by Park2Go Value Valet. No need to search for an empty parking spot with door-to-door drop-and-go valet service. Reserve and save at park2go.ca. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.